We're going to look at a passage of scripture that the entire passage we'll read contains two of the most searched verses last year in the first part of this year. So we're going to go to Philippians chapter 4. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. Always with letters. It's good when you're having your personal Bible study time to just read it through. It would take you about 10 to 15 minutes, depending on your reading speed, to read through all of Philippians. But it was a letter. So it was not meant as a, a typical teaching. It's not necessarily an outline. It is the thoughts of the Apostle Paul to the church of Philippi. And by the time we get to the part we've numbered, man has sorted these letters out and looked back at them and numbered them and versed them so we can find them easy for reference. By the time we get to Philippians chapter four and we move into that chapter and we start in verse four, the apostle Paul has said most of what he wanted to say. And now he's talking a little bit like a dad. He's just saying, hey guys, these are some very practical things you can implement into your life. And in this particular case, these are things that you can implement into your life that help you have peace. Because for most of us, peace is an extremely elusive prey. I mean, it's just hard to find it, it's hard to get it, it's hard to catch it, it's hard to hold on to it. I remember as a kid growing up in the desert, I don't have any idea why other than it was there. I loved catching lizards. I mean, I just, we had blue-tailed lizards in particular. I just thought it was the greatest thing to have those. But if you've ever tried to catch a lizard, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, they are very fast. They make changes and shifts quickly. They go in multiple generations um, in different directions. And in the, in the, same, in the same sense, they're, they're a little creepy. I mean, they're just somewhat similar to a snake. And, and once you get it, you're not sure you really want it, and then you drop it. Um, I find peace a little bit like that. I mean, you know, I feel like I'm back as a kid trying to turn over 10 and find them and catch them and then figure out what I'm going to do with them now that I've got them. And peace is that way because I can search for it, I can look for it, I can, I can try to, and then I think I've captured it and then in the moment I capture it, it easily escapes or, or it turns out, to, this is kind of gross, but when you catch a lizard, if, you, if you're not real careful, you lose the tail in the process. And so now you got a lizard and you got a tail. And the tail's flipping. It's, it's just nasty. It's kind of gross. I don't know why I did these things as a kid. I wouldn't do them today. Um, for sure I wouldn't do them today. And, uh, you know, peace is kind of like that. It's like I finally get it. I finally catch it. And it like sort of falls apart on me or in the next moment I'm struggling with something else, something changes and something happens and in that moment then I've, I've lost the peace. I mean, it's just, it's elusive and it's hard to grasp. What I love about what the Apostle Paul says to the church at Philippi, and I think this is probably why these two verses become some of the most searched verses, is it reassures us that peace is available. That it is something you can have. It's something you can grasp. It's something you can experience. But he does it in such a simplistic fashion that it just reminds us a few adjustments in my life make peace more attainable. It helps me sustain a relationship with peace because ultimately it's about sustaining a relationship with my Savior. It's about sustaining my relationship with Jesus and letting him actually handle that peace. So the entire passage, in order to have the full context, starts in verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. I'll highlight the two verses that are actually the most searched verses. 
He starts off and says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And that's the first of the most searched verses in this passage, verse six. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He segues here and says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, this, this peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the second most searched verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. The whole section's all about peace, but Paul doesn't just outline systematically like 13 different things he wants you to do or you should correct. He just sort of is rambling at this point, and he's saying, look, let's, let's walk through this. If you want peace, if you need peace, if you're discovering peace, then begin these minor corrections and live your life with a new embracing of capturing that peace. He says in verse four, what I'm calling basically living in hospitable environments. In verse four and five, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. At this point, it doesn't seem that it's about peace. He will clarify that in the next verse. But it is about peace. Because living with these kind of characteristics, being a person of joy, being a person of graciousness, being a person who is aware of their circumstances, changes our perspective on living, which enables God then to work and make his peace available to us. I mean, it's, it's simple. It's not pop psychology. It's not something you need to read a book about. It's just simple. If you make a decision to rejoice always, and he emphasizes it, Paul's Hebrew comes out where they double emphasize anything they think is important. Rejoice, oh, by the way, again, rejoice. Live with joy. Peace is elusive if we're negative people. And ironically, peace is infectious, it's contagious when we are in a perspective of joy. I mean, it's just really hard to be in a bad mood if the people around you are happy. You can be, you'll complain about it, they're driving me crazy, they're so happy. Have you ever, y'all know people like that? Don't raise your hand if they're sitting next to you, but you know, we know that. I, I, want to, I want to be in my bad mood for a while. I don't need you telling me how good it is. I don't need you telling me what a great day it is. I don't need you telling me all the good things that happened to you because I'm not happy about what's happening to me and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna dwell there for a while. Well, no wonder peace is elusive. We're not even in a posture to understand it or grasp it if we were to have it. And so Paul simply says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord because he's ultimately the God of peace, which he'll reference in verses eight and nine. He'll rejoice in him. 
find joy. That will require us to shift. Depending on our personality types, depending upon our circumstances, it is easy to always find everything that's wrong. And it's easy to always be critical of it. I can, you know, I, 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 this happened to me just yesterday. I uh, had an outdoor wedding yesterday. I don't know why anybody in Houston ever schedules outdoor weddings. I mean, but you would think of all months, March would be a good month to do that. And on Friday, it would have been a great day for an outdoor wedding. It was kind of overcast. It was cool. About the highest I ever saw it was around 62. And overnight, for Friday night, the meteorological circumstances of southeast Texas plotted and said, James is in a wedding. <laughs> He's in a coat and tie. He hates coats and ties. So... I'm going to rack up the humidity to about 95%. It was next to a pool. So there was even more humidity in that backyard. And, and I'm going to take the temperature up to about 86. So I went to lunch with my wife, which is one of my most enjoyable activities and one of the things I love most. And the manager of the restaurant knows us, and I'm talking to him for a few minutes, and he goes, isn't it a great day to be outside? Before he could finish his sentence... <laughs> I'm like, no, it's humid. The wind's blowing. It's nasty. And I'm standing here in a suit because I got to, and I realized, wow, <laughs> did, I, did I just ruin his day or what? <laughs> I mean, before he even had a chance. You know, joy's just not that hard. Our circumstances are difficult. Our situations are tough. And by the way, it wasn't a tough or a difficult wedding. It was actually a wedding, it was a renewal of vows. The couple had been married 50 years. Their daughter, the, the, the only thing awkward about the whole thing was the daughter didn't tell them we were doing this. She had everybody in the house. It's a little bit like a surprise birthday party. Have you ever been in one of those awkward moments? Everybody in the house is kind of hidden and out where the wedding's going to be. And I'm remaining in the foyer with the daughter when the parents walk through the door. And they're looking like, it's not her husband. You know, it's just not a good scenario when you walk into your daughter's house and there's a different man standing there. That's just, you know, they're just, let's just say it's just a little awkward. I said, I'm James. I am, I am their pastor. And... I hate to break the news to you, but we're going to walk in and do a wedding that you weren't expecting. Hope you really do want to renew your vows. Because <laughs> we're about to ask you some difficult questions. But, so it was, it was a good moment. It was, it was good. But I was just in a frame of reference that was out of sync. Rejoice. Rejoice always. And let your graciousness be known. I love that part. Graciousness, graciousness should characterize everything we do as Christians. We should, in my opinion, be some of the most hospitable and enjoyable people to be around because we understand how sin has destroyed our life. And we understand that the cure to destroy that sin that has destroyed our life is to meet Jesus, know Jesus, be in relationship with Jesus, and be forgiven of that sin and know that everything I had, God has in control. We don't have to be mean or rude or inconsiderate to anybody. Because as we just sang under Josh's leadership, we have received all sufficient merit, all sufficient grace. We can live this life meaningfully, successfully, and productively because God has intervened 
into all the unproductive junk in our life. We should always be gracious. We should always be friendly because we have so much to be thankful for. And in his rambling, there is an awareness. He just simply says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. You know, and that phrase applies to every situation in life. When the, when the manager of the restaurant walked up and started talking to Carrie and me, and we're having that conversation, God was there. God heard me. I'm a little embarrassed about this. Not enough that I'm not sharing it with all of you and everybody on the internet. Um, you know, I could have been a lot more gracious and I could have shown some joy and I could have been aware that the Lord was there. I mean, think about it. It's kind of, it's really sad. Well, don't think about it too much. I don't want to get you like, like, oh man, our pastor's just really messed up. Um, you know, everything about the day should have been good. It, weather could have been worse. It could have been July. It was only March. It could have been a funeral or it could have been some other set of circumstances that were really tragic and horrible, but it wasn't. It was a renewal of vows after 50 years orchestrated by loving and caring and compassionate children who wanted to honor and respect. The, the reality is my day should have been really good and there was no place for me to actually just kind of go off because I didn't like the weather. And God was there in that moment. God was there at the restaurant. He was there when I'm talking to the manager. He was there at the wedding vow renewal. He was there when I'm driving home and the western sun's right in my eyes and I'm frustrated again a little bit about my physical circumstances. The Lord is near. Hospitable environments actually are under our control. We actually have the ability to make this stuff happen. It, we don't have to wait to see if it'll happen or sit around hopefully twiddling our fingers and, and messing with something or looking on our phones thinking, I hope today's gonna be a good day. I can make that decision in advance. God's gonna be with me all day. God's gonna be with me in every situation I'm in and there's no reason I can't be happy and there's no reason I can't exhibit joy and there's no reason I can't be gracious because God's that good. But... I don't want to marginalize how hard peace can be in tough situations. And I think that's exactly what happens to Paul. I'm picturing myself writing this letter to you all. And I'm saying these things and thinking, y'all just be happy. Y'all just be gracious and friendly. Y'all just, just recognize God's always with you. And then suddenly recognizing, oh, but there are times when it's tough. And that's when verse 6 kicks in. Because we need some security in our environments. Don't worry about anything he says it's it's an all-inclusive word don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving presents your request to god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus there are a lot of places, and we've studied a lot of verses in Scripture that challenge us to guard our hearts and to guard our minds. And we need to do that. We need to be careful. We are constantly bombarded with information that is way beyond misinformation. It is information that is harmful to our minds, harmful to our hearts, harmful to our souls, harmful to our relationship with God. And we must be diligent. But the 
interesting aspect in this verse is just the opposite. Paul's not telling us to guard this time. He's telling us that God is guarding us, that God is concerned about the health of my heart. God is concerned about the health of my mind, and God wants me. He wants me to turn these things that are attacking me and working against me and in many cases destroying me and these anxieties that are out of control, he wants me to turn them over to him. And so Paul says gently to his friends, don't worry about anything. I mean, just stop stressing because you pray, and when you pray, and when you, and he mentions three different types of prayers. He talks about prayers, he talks about petitions, he talks about thanksgiving. The indication is anytime you communicate with God, it's not, a, not like I've got to pray this certain way, or I've got to give this certain type of petition and make sure God understands what I want, or let me make sure that somewhere in the context of the prayer I say thanks, because I'm just been reminded that the Lord is near. He is with me in my circumstance. No, it's just, again, it's a posture of communication that says, God is with me. He understands. And I can take everything that's stressing me, anything that's hurting me, I can take it and I can give it to him. I love the way Peter says it in 1 Peter 4, 7. It's actually the verse of the day, either yesterday or today. I got confused because I read it in the middle of the night last night. Um, It says, cast your cares on the Lord. Literally, the word means to like throw it off. Take all that anxiety, take whatever is worrying you and just say, God, here, it's yours. We know that feeling physically. Have you ever just been overburdened with all the packages or things you're picking up. Maybe you're, maybe you're bringing groceries in from the car. Maybe you're bringing groceries out of the grocery store. Maybe you've picked up stuff in the mall. Maybe you're even excited about it and you're looking forward to it. But now you're juggling and you're trying to, and you want to make as few trips as possible. And so you overburden yourself. And you're trying to navigate. You're trying to navigate getting out of the car, shutting the door. If you've got kids God help you, literally. Um, you know, and you're just trying to deal with all this, and then somebody you know, somebody you trust, says, here, let me, let me help you with that. And suddenly you find yourself relieved of the burden, assisted. And that's essentially what Paul is describing. Through your prayer, through your petitions, through the the composure of the outlook you have now on life, and through that prayer, and of course, always with that sense of gratitude, which helps with the joy part and helps with the graciousness part, all of that now enables the sense of preservation. God says, let me take the burden. Let me carry it for you. As Peter said, cast those cares on him. He is big enough, he is capable enough to handle it. And not only will he just handle it, but I love the phrase in verse seven, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. To me, believe it or not, when I talk about secure environments, that's one of the greatest benefits of church. And that's one of the greatest benefits of being here in person. It's one of the greatest benefits of when that's not possible to be with us online. It's, it's one of the greatest benefits to being connected with the body of Christ. It's because we have a moment 
and we're given this opportunity to cast those cares and to release those cares and to let God have them. You start singing songs that remind you of God's love and God's grace. King of Kings is one of my favorite hymns. And I just love it when it swells in the middle of the song. And the church of God was born. We've just talked about Jesus' death and resurrection in the song. And suddenly there is this reminder out of the suffering of our Savior and out of the victory of our Savior, the church was born. It was initiated and birthed by God. And I may struggle and I may be having a hard time, but I am a part of an eternal organization, an eternal institution, an eternal group of people and gathering. And we're going to be doing that not only now, but forever in eternity. Because we'll gather around the Lamb and all of us will bow. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation, the Bible describes it and sing our praise to God. It just makes sense to be in community. Because sometimes it's hard to pray for yourself and you need someone else to pray for you. Sometimes you just need a little guidance. Sometimes you need a little encouragement. And you start singing songs and you start hearing words and you start listening to melodies and you start participating and you go and you get a cup of coffee and you see friends and you have all these opportunities throughout the morning, throughout the week, to engage with others that are guarded by the peace of God the same way you are. It's beyond comprehension, but it's real. And it's perpetual. I'm not talking about something that is just in one moment. It is an eternal experience in relationship with God. And the problem is sometimes perpetualness is difficult. Sometimes to figure out how this sustains itself and continues to be sustainable is difficult. And Paul just asks us one more time in his fashion, just take that heart and take that mind that is guarded by Christ and put valuable things into it. In verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence or anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. And I'm not going to walk through every single one of these today because I want us just to pause for a moment and I want us to leave out of here in a moment just recognizing we need to dwell. Dwell on these things. My frame of reference and my confession about my not so great mood yesterday afternoon, I can guarantee you, I can promise you, even though I was prepared and I knew I was teaching this this morning, I wasn't living it. If I had been dwelling on what things are true beyond the weather, the weather is true and you do have to deal with it. If I was dwelling on things that are honorable, if I was dwelling on things that are just and are right, if I was dwelling on things that are pure, if I was dwelling on things that are lovely, I would have had no reason, no motivation, no circumstantial moment to semi-meltdown and try to convince somebody who actually was in a true, honorable, just, 
pure and lovely frame of mind and who wanted to recognize that it's commendable and I would not have had to blow away everything he commended. I'm making it worse than it really was. But the reality is my frame of reference wasn't healthy. I was dwelling on the wrong things. How many times do we do that? And it never helps. We, we understand this. It's kind of like dieting. We know what we should do. We just don't do it. We know that thinking about the wrong things, dwelling on the wrong things, we know, we understand that's not healthy and it's not going to help us, but we do it anyway. Paul's just reminding us, put our frame of reference, put our mind, engage our mind, engage our heart with things that are worthwhile. I love the last reference, moral excellence and anything that is praiseworthy. If I spend my time thinking about the things that are praiseworthy, then it might make the rejoicing always, and again, I say rejoice a little easier. These are just practical things that help us. And then referencing that, he references their relationship. The, again, the idea of being a part of community, the things that you've learned, the things you've received, the things you've heard, the things you've seen in me, these things, dwell on them. Dwell on these good things, and the peace of God will be with you. The peace of God will be with you. Let's put ourselves in the right framework and let God work. After all, he's near. He's with us. He has not abandoned us. Even if we've abandoned him, he hasn't abandoned us. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants to be in relationship with us and he doesn't want us in this level of anxiety and stress. Cast your cares on him. He wants you to. He's saying right now to each one of us, he's saying just, hey, trust me with it. Let me help you. And that may be hard for some of us. Our band's gonna come up and we're gonna have the opportunity to do basically what I just described. We're gonna, we're gonna worship one more time together before we dismiss out and spend time with one another and friends and family this afternoon and the different things that all of us got ahead of us. Just trust him with it. How many times are we offered help and we say, no, I got this. I do it all the time. My buddies come up to me at the ranch and they'll say, here, let me help you with that. And it's like, no, I got it. What that really says, you want me to translate, no, I got it? In James speak, what that means is I am prideful enough, I don't want to humble myself enough to trust you with whatever I'm doing and I want you to think that I'm more powerful, more strong, more capable than I really am. And my language may not be yours. That's what, no, I got it, means. If we pause long enough and realize that God's saying, let me help you, and I'm saying, no, I got it, to Almighty God. <laughs> no, I got it. I, you created mountains, you created trees, you created fish, you created, created animals, you created everything that's beautiful in the world, um, but I got it. I've only been here 63 years, but I've got it. You've been here all eternity and you're going to keep us for all eternity. 
but I've got it. Let's just take a moment to say, okay, I'll let you carry it. Let's just bow our heads. Let's just close our eyes for a moment in the stillness. And then as we transition into the worship, I don't know what it could be. And the truth is I've made light of a lot of things that are actually really serious. And it may be really hard right now to say, you've got it. Maybe really difficult to say, I'm going to trust you with it. Whatever it is, just turn loose of it. <laughs> 